Sports presents the Pick 6 Podcast, featuring CBS NFL writers Pete Prisco and Will Brinson, NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, and host Nick Costos. You want NFL talk? We've got NFL talk. From training camp to the Super Bowl and through the NFL draft, our fearsome foursome has you covered. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. It is the Football Friday edition of the Pick 6 Podcast presented by CBS Sports. Nick Costos and Pete Prisco coming up on the show. Jason Lockhantfora, an exclusive sit-down interview with Redskins quarterback Kirk Cousins, JLC, at Redskins camp. And remember, we've given you hours of free entertainment this week. we got a great show coming up for you. Me and Pete Prisco breaking down the NFL Plus, the Kirk Cousins interview. All you've got to do to pay us back, go on iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in wherever the hell you find a podcast. Leave a five-star review. Leave a glowing rating. Talk about how great we are because, you know, we are great. Just ask my man, Pete Prisco. The great Pete Prisco joins me from Arizona. Pete, it's hot here in South Florida. I can't even imagine how brutal it is where you're at. It was 107 on Thursday. It's probably about 105 on Friday today. And thank God they practice inside, Nick. You know, they practice inside the stadium, so it's nice and cool in there, and then you walk outside, and it feels like you're walking into a furnace. I mean, it is hot. But you know what? I went to school here, so you kind of get used to it. 107 in the dry heat is about 98 in the, in Florida heat, so it's about equivalent. Yeah, Pete, an Arizona State Sun Devil alum. I will say it for you so you don't have to. Fire Todd Graham, and maybe Arizona State will be able to win a national championship in college football. Now, I think many of the listeners know you, Pete. They know how tan you are, buddy. But I would imagine that, that your skin has got some sort of like natural protection from the sun, given how leathery it's been your life living in Jacksonville and in Florida. Leathery? It's a beautiful golden brown. It's not golden brown. including you. Including you, who go to the tanning bed on a regular basis, uh, envy you envy my tan. Now, come on, I know it is. You go it, to the tanning bed. How many times a week does your white butt go to the tanning bed? I probably go to the tanning bed once a week, if we're being honest here. Once a week. Oh my God! Get out of the sun, would you? I, I know, but like, but like the tanning bed's a nice, even tan. Like I'm on camera, I need to look good. Like I can't be red in one area and and and, and maple syrupy brown in the other. That's why I got to go to the tanning bed. Like it, it has to be the tanning need bed to, for me. Need to look good. You could have uh, what's his name, George Hamilton's tan, and you wouldn't look good. On <laughs> well, Pete, Pete, I need this story for another time. But as far as looks are concerned, I'm definitely much better looking than you are. And I'm just going to end this conversation now before yeah. you can get back in. You are at Cardinals camp so. right now. What do you got there? What stuck out to you that you'd like to discuss here today? Well, I'll start with Carson Palmer. Um, you know, there was a perception last year around the league halfway through the season that he was done. He was, you know, aging. He didn't look like the same guy. And then he turned it around in the second half of the season played very well. And in talking to him, one of the things that he's changed, he said he feels like he's changed this year is that he's changed his diet entirely. He gave up alcohol. I mean, he wasn't a big drinker, but if he didn't have any wine, he didn't want to drink any beers. Uh, he's given up, you know, eating bad stuff. He's eating clean all the way. And he says he feels like he's 33 years old again. And, you know, they're giving him time off during camp, which is something, you know, he really misses the action. He wants to be a part of it, but they understand why they're, he understands why they're doing it. You know, last year, at the end of the season, they gave him Wednesdays off in practice, and I think he responded to that very well. And so I think they're being smart with him. He looks great. 
you know, I asked him about retirement. He didn't, you know, they talked to it. He talked to his wife about it a little bit, but he never really considered it. And he's going to do it again after the season. But he said he loves everything about the process now. He loves the games. He loves the practice. He loves the competition. He loves the film room. And I think he's going to have a good year for the Arizona Cardinals. I'm trying to think about how much money someone would have to pay me to give up drinking, give up the bad food. And yeah, you try and work out and stay in shape, but to give that up entirely, Pete, like how much money would I have to pay you, Pete Prisco, to go six months or a year without taking a sip of alcohol, not having a slice of pizza, and just eating clean that entire time? For me, I think you'd probably have to give me $100,000 to do that for a year. Yeah, and I would do it. I would make it. You can, you can do anything you set your mind to, Nick. It's, it's not that hard. I mean, it really isn't. What do you, if, 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 funny of course lot, it's hard. If, if it weren't hard, then everyone would be walking around looking like Zac Efron with six-packs, Pete. That, that's, it is difficult. Well, if, it's, if somebody's paying you, it's not. And these guys get paid to play football for a living. It, you know, it's, it's like Carson said. He said a lot of the stuff he's doing now, he wished he had done when he was earlier. But then he also said, you know what, though? A lot of that stuff tastes good. <laughs> and I said, yeah, of course it does. And that's why, you know, that's why these guys come to the end of their career. And, you know, I asked him, I said, is 40 for quarterback the new 30? We don't know yet because Brady hasn't, you know, he's playing as as a 40-year-old this year. Drew Brees is getting up there. Carson's getting up there. I mean, Phillip Rivers is getting up there. Eli Manning's getting These guys are getting older, and yet, you know, they're still playing at a high level. So it'll be interesting to see what he does this year. But I think he's in for a big season. You know, I don't. And we talked about this a little bit on Monday. And some of those names you mentioned, quarterbacks getting up there in age, whether it's Rivers, Eli, Tom Brady, and others, I would take all of those guys over Carson Palmer. I'm not saying, Pete, that I don't think Carson Palmer deserves to be one of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the National Football League, but I think that if Cardinals fans right now view this team as a legit Super Bowl contender, like, pump the brakes here, because I think the quarterback is ultimately going to be what does them in when it it comes down to it. I don't think Carson's going to put together a big season, and quite frankly, I'm surprised that you do. I've always been a big Carson Palmer guy. I, I think he's a lot better than people give him credit for. Hey, they went to Seattle last year late in the season and put up 30-whatever, five points on him and beat him in Seattle. Remember, they have a formula that they'll have to attack that defense. They should have won. Yeah, they've had Seattle's number, Pete. But, I mean, like, what it – I go yeah, back – yeah, They lost three games on special teams last year. Their special teams were horrible. They, they should have been in the postseason last year, uh, even though they had a ton of injuries. And so, yeah, I think they're. I think they're going to be good this year. I don't think they're going to be as you know a fourteen win team or a thirteen win team, but I think they'll get to eleven. Uh, I think they Pete, have that capability. Uh, David, eleven. I mean, eleven's a damn good season. Like, like I think David that, Johnson that you can is be a, hell a deep of a player. Yes. I mean, you look at the offensive line. I think it's going to be you know nobody. There are a few offensive lines that are good. It's good enough. You know, I think one of the keys to their, you know, and for fantasy people, this is a note. But one of the keys to their season will be John Brown, and John Brown has looked great so far, like the old John Brown of a couple of years ago. Remember last year, they thought he might have had the sickle cell trait, might have had sickle cell anemia. They did more work, and then they found out there was something, a cyst or something uh, on his spine that they took out, and he looked Ugh. fantastic. So he's a big part of what they're going to do on offense. Yeah, the offense should be pretty good, and look, I'm not saying that Arizona's going to be a six-win team. 11, I think, is too much. I think the Cardinals probably peter out at 9-7 and seven this year. And that brings us, Pete, to the Baltimore Ravens, a team that's missed the playoffs two years in a row, and I think their ceiling is probably 9-7, and seven, and it feels like they're snake bit. 
Joe Flacco, the back injury, three to six weeks, could potentially miss week one's game at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Ravens signed an arena league quarterback, David Olsen, because they need a body in there in training camp throwing passes. Still might bring in Colin Kaepernick. We'll see if that happens. Ryan Mallett's the backup. Dustin Vaughn also there rounding at the depth chart. But you've also got Kenneth Dixon. He's out for the season. Tavon Young out for the year. Dennis Pitta, he's out. John Urschel, their center, just retired because he's scared of CTE right now. The feel that I get about this Ravens team, Pete, curious if you agree with this, if things don't go well this year, and I don't think they're going to go well in a pretty tough AFC North where even the Browns have gotten demonstrably better than the one-win disaster they were last year, I think this profiles as quite possibly John Harbaugh's last year in Baltimore. Where do you stand on that? That's a possibility. I mean, just depending on how bad it goes. But you also got to look back last year, Nick, when they were in on Christmas night. Remember, if they hold the Steelers out from scoring late touchdown, they probably win the division. And, and so they're they're not that far off. And one thing about Ozzie Newsom, he's reloaded in the past, and and there's still a lot of good players on that team. I think their safety tandem with Weddle and Jefferson is going to be very good. They got a bunch of good interior defensive linemen. The concern for me is, and you mentioned Flacco being hurt, if he can't play, they're done. I mean, that's a, that's a given. And he hasn't played very well the last couple of years, but they still got to have him on the field. The running game, as you mentioned, no Dixon, big uncertainty there. Uh, can Perriman step up a wide receiver? Uh, the offensive line is being a little bit retooled too. So, so and then who rushes the passer? You know, Suggs is getting up in the years, and he had some offseason surgery. So there are major issues for them. In the past, they've always done a great job. Free agent leaves, reach up, take another one, put a replacement, stick them in there that you drafted, and they move right on. They're not necessarily doing that as well anymore, and so that's a concern for them moving forward. If Flacco is out week one at Cincinnati, let's just say for argument's sake that Flacco misses a couple games here. Do you give Ryan Mallett, the Ryan Mallett-led Ravens, any shot here? Because Mallett's a decent backup quarterback, but like I referenced on Wednesdays, but he's not exactly Steve Young backing up Joe Montana here. Baltimore clearly in a world of trouble if it's Ryan Mallett for any period of time. Well, that's a tough game anyways to open the season. I mean, you know, anytime you're in the division and you're on the road, that's a tough game. So that's going to be a tough game even if Joe Flacco's on the field. But, you know, Mallett, would he have a chance to win? Who knows? You never know what's going to happen on opening day. Teams, you know, there's, you've seen teams that are good, supposedly good teams, and then teams that end up being good teams struggle on opening day. So uh, they can win there with Mallet. I would expect Flacco will be back for that game, by the way. Yeah, and he's missed so few games over the course of his career, been something of an Iron Man since he was drafted back in, in 2008. So I wouldn't be surprised either if Flacco was on the field week one against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, Pete, and here's the deal. On this podcast, we're always going to be honest with you, the audience. Now, I grew up a fan of the New York football giants, and Pete, you did as well, and I think that fandom has sort of waned, right, as we've become more entrenched in this in this business, and you're a little bit older than me, so you certainly understand that even better than I do here. I got so many text messages yesterday from my buddies back in New York, also Giants fans, who are furious right now with Odell Beckham Jr. saying that he wants to be, Pete, not just the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL, but that he wants to be the highest paid player in the National Football League. So a lot for us to get into on this topic with Odell Beckham here, but let's start with that request, that claim that Beckham made that he wants to be the highest paid player in the NFL. Your take. Well, I want to be the highest paid man in the entertainment business. Is that going to happen? I would also like that. 
You want to be too. I mean, I can't fault the guy for saying it. I mean, wait, it, it, what, what's wrong with saying it? It's not going to happen. That's like, it's, it's like, that's like me saying, hey, I'd like Jennifer Lopez to leave Alex Rodriguez for me. Uh, I, I, it's, it's great to say it's also not going to happen. Uh, no, you have no chance. No chance. Uh, and I lower your that. standards. Lower, lower your standards to where they usually are. Um, but, which, but which, 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 to be fair, usually pretty low. Usually pretty low. <laughs> but you know, you look at you look at the situation. Of course, he's going to say that. I would say that too. But he's a wide receiver. The highest paid players are always pass rushers and quarterbacks. He's not going to be the highest paid player in the league. Nor should he. He probably shouldn't be the highest paid wide receiver in the league. So. I think he's a very good player, but he isn't better than Julio Jones. He isn't better than Antonio Brown right now. So uh, you look at that situation. I like he says it, but he's not going to be the highest paid player. See, I disagree with you. I do think that Beckham is the best wide receiver in the league. Giants, You're crazy. All right, let me. Okay, let's talk about it. The Giants went 11 and five last year, right? 11 wins. If they don't have Odell Beckham Jr., how many wins do they have last year? Their defense was pretty damn good last year. Pete, Nick. you did not answer the question. Without Odell Beckham on they, that they team, have 10, how, nine. No, they'd have they'd have seven or eight. He single-handedly won like three or four games for them last year. Falcons, how many do they have? But different, though. The the Falcons had other weapons. The Giants' offense last year consisted of Eli throwing a slant, a four-yard slant to Odell Beckham, and they're counting on him to take it 70 yards. They had no offense last year. Eli was bad, the offensive line was bad, and they couldn't run the ball, Pete. Like, Beckham was the offense last year. He's a darn good wide receiver, but he's not better than Julio Jones, and he's not better than Antonio Brown right now. He just isn't. Um, so he worked out on his nice own. Try. Take off your take off your blue glasses, would you? Now listen, I I might like the Giants, but I'm very honest about them. I just said they they would have stunk last year without the guy. Um, without Odell Beckham, they're a seven or eight win team last year, and I think I don't even think that's up for debate. And I do think he's the best receiver in the league. Now he did work out on his own this past off season. Didn't go to OTAs. The whole party boat incident in Miami before the Green Bay playoff game. $1.8 million this year, fourth year of his rookie deal. He's going to make a lot of money in endorsements here. But for Beckham, for the Giants fans that bang on Odell Beckham, the one thing that I will defend with him here is that he's a young kid who has come into so much fame at this point. He's a worldwide icon. Like, you see him land in Germany. The German fans are all over this guy. He's one of the most recognizable athletes in the world. For someone to have this much fame and this much money this quickly here, I think you kind of get where he's coming from. And that's why I think he's a little misunderstood by fans who think, oh, like, it's all about the team. Or if you put yourself in this kid's shoes, you sort of understand why he's acting the way he is. Look, he's always in shape. He works his butt. He works out. It's not like when he's not at the facility, he's not working out. He's always in shape. That's not going to be an issue. My issue, you know, game week, you know, big game week. You got a playoff game and you leave and go on a boat. That, you know, that that to me says your priorities are a little out of whack. Doesn't mean he's, he, he he doesn't care about football, but that's a, you know you can wait until after the season to do that stuff. You don't got to do it right then. So, uh, yeah, I think some things gets over get overblown with him. Other things do not though, and and. Look, you got to be around. You want to be around your teammates. You want to try and be. You know, if they're there, why aren't you there? So I, I get some of the criticism, but he's a hell of a player and he keeps himself in shape and he doesn't get in trouble. So that's all that matters. How would you have handled, let's say, twenty-one-year-old Pete Prisco, all of a sudden one of the most famous and recognizable people, not just in America but in the world? How would you have handled that, Bud? It would have been dangerous for people out there. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I mean, look, we were we were all. Knuckleheads at 21. I mean, that's the bottom line. I don't care what anybody said. You give them money and ego and fame and fortune and 
everything else, it would have been bad. But I'll tell you one thing, and I tell a lot of young players, I was having a chat with a Cardinals player yesterday. Don't do anything stupid during your career, and just if you want to be an idiot after your career's over with and do whatever the hell you want to, just take it. Take all the money you could possibly get out of your time. You no, but here's the problem with that advice. It's like the expression, youth is wasted on the young. Like, this is the time in your life where, like, you're going to be dumb because you are dumb at that age. And anyone listening that's in that general age vicinity, you'll understand as you get older. It's not a, a criticism on you. It's just a, a function of humanity, right? I'm smarter at 34 now than I was at 24, and I'll be smarter at 44 than I am yeah, at 34. It's debatable. No, it's, it's so not then debatable. I'm, then I'm wasted. And I'm way smarter than you because I'm 56. Right? Well, I, th- well, I think the, the I think all that Jacksonville sun has probably fried your brain. So I don't know if we can no. if we can actually say that. No, but, but Nick, you know, if you're done playing, you take uh, you know eight hundred thousand dollars of one dollar bills and throw it in a room and go dive in there every day to remind you of all the sacrifices you give up when you were playing. Like duck, hey, come on, like ducktails. Scrooge the money. Scrooge McDuck diving into the old gold coins. Don't be an idiot. Um, speaking of idiots, um, this Cam Newton quote from training camp, I think is pretty concerning, right? Because what we saw last year from Cam following the MVP campaign, losing in the Super Bowl to the Broncos, he took so many shots, helmet to helmet and otherwise, where it just made sense, right, that Cam can't take this type of punishment. He's been hit, Pete, since he came into the league as the number one overall pick more than 300 times than the second most quarterback has been struck while on the field of play. So we've heard the quotes from Ron Rivera. We've heard the quotes from the whole organization, Pete, that Cam Newton this year, less emphasis on him running the ball. And I think that dovetails in with their draft strategy with Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel. Get the ball out quickly and limit the hits on Cam Newton. But I don't think Cam can help himself because Cam says to the media at training camp in regards to him running, do you expect a lion not to roar That's my edge in running the football. So it seems to me like he's being a little cavalier here, saying, to hell with what you want, to hell with everything, I'm going to do me. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing for the Carolina Panthers. But the running is a big part of the offense, and and, and it's a big weapon and a big dynamic in in that offense. The threat of it helps create you know, passing lanes and opens up things. So it's hard to just take it away. I think as he gets older, you're going to realize that this, you know, he is getting older. He's going to realize that, you know, instead of one, two and get out of there, it's one, two, three and check it down. I mean, I think that's the next step for him. I thought he took big strides in 2015 from the pocket. Uh, last year, you know, offensive line wasn't very good. They didn't have a lot of weapons around him, and he kind of regressed a little bit. Uh, so I think he'll bounce back this year. You know, there's also the concern about the shoulder. I mean, you know, everybody, you know, you just fix it up and go. That's not always the case. So you've got to be careful with that as well. You've got to limit uh, what he does a little bit in practice. But he, he's, you know, look, the guy takes a lot of shots. A lot of them are unnecessary. And a lot of them are, you know, he takes more shots inside the pocket than most quarterbacks. And, and sometimes the league allows him to get away with it. I was I was watching the $25,000 pyramid, celebrity pyramid the other day on TV, and he was on it. You watch some crappy TV was, shows, by the way, man. Like, you've got a terrible taste on, in television. I was flipping, when the NFL guys are on, I'll watch it. I want to see you, you, you can pick up stuff. And he made a crap. Were there NFL guys on the old it. MTV show Laguna Beach that you used to watch, which followed like like 16-year-old girls and boys around high school in California that you watched when you were in your 40s? Were there NFL players My on that show? My wife watched it. I watched it with it. It's called Bonding with Your Wife. You'll <laughs> learn that when somebody asks me to you. I don't think that'll happen, but maybe down the road. Uh, 
Hey, she has the key coming on MTV soon, too. It's like a remake. Yo, I got to tell I, I can't wait for Siesta Key, just as a tangent here. Like it's going to be like the new Laguna Beach. We may have to watch it and, and do a little bit of it on the podcast if that doesn't turn too many people off. You know, that's on the other side of the state in Florida. You know, it's not that far away. So I, might have to, I may have to take a trip over there. I can, I can envision a scenario where Nick Costas becomes a Siesta Key groupie and drives over there. I'm too old. You're weird like that. You know? I, I mean, listen, you're the one that goes in the jorts and got kicked out of the high school because your know, parents were afraid of you being around the children there. So I think I might be a little too old for Siesta Key. It was college, and I was working out, and the mean man chased, and the mean man chased me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, Pete, you're the mean man in most of these scenarios here. Well, when he, when he started irritating me, I became the mean man. And I told him I'd do the president of the university because he used to be the mayor of Jacksonville. Don't make me make a call. I play that card. <laughs> I love it. I lo- absolutely <laughs> love it. But back on Cam Newton here, and I'm with you. I do think he bounces back this year. But if he is going to bounce back, he's got to stay on the field. Like, he can't take the punishment that he took last year. He Or he's going to miss time. And then you got Derek Anderson, who's a competent backup. But in that division, when you can make a case for the Saints – the Falcons, the Panthers, or the Bucks to win it, they need Cam Newton out there for 16 games. And that's where I have fears here for the 2017 Panthers. You are correct. By the way, the end of that story before you were so rudely interrupted me, as you usually do, is uh, if, when Cam Newton, they made it, there was a question about personal fouls or quarterback or something like that. And he said, you know, sometimes they don't get called for certain people. It was like a little crack about how many shots he takes. And he does. If you put the tape on, oh no that doubt, takes a lot of shots in the pocket. I mean, he takes a lot of them. Well, other quarterbacks. Well, I, mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, Pete, it, it, it was like it was a running joke last year. It was like Cam, like you breathe on Tom Brady, you get a 15-yard personal foul penalty. Cam Newton was taking like Brandon Merriweather, Steve Atwater style helmet to helmet shots at full speed, and the referees were keeping their were putting their hands in their pockets to throw the flag. Like it was unbelievable what was happening last year. And part of that is too, like Nick, Nick. You know, he's a big man, so and you never really know how what a guy looks like in his pads. Well, I remember walking into their practice one day in camp, and he was in the huddle, and he had it was a full pad of practice, and he looked over, and he was as big as every lineman on the team. He's a big man, and sometimes I think that hurts him because a he wants to run over people, like you said, he needs to be more, you know, a lot more careful about that. But b he takes a lot more shots because the refs look at him, and you know, guys get shot. Other quarterbacks, and they get, you know, bend over and cringe and, and, and go to the ground. He takes them and kind of throws them away. So he kind of gets – gets, they don't flag shots that should be on him because I think because he's such a big man. But, like, it's like the Shaquille O'Neal thing in the NBA, except in the NBA, the fouls would be like someone hacking him, hacking his arm as he's going up to the basket. With Cam Newton, he's getting hit. Helmet to helmet after the play, after he's gotten rid of the ball. So – Part of it is on Cam, and I think the difference is, like, RG3 always used to drive me nuts because it was almost as if when he rolled out, he was thinking to himself as he started to roll out, how can I put myself in position to get hit as hard as possible within the field of play? Like, he was bad with that. With Cam, it's it's partially him putting himself out there to get hit, but it's also partially the referees have done a really bad job, I think. And it kind of pissed me off last year watching the games here because you have empathy for the guy. Like, yeah, he's six foot five and he's built like a tank. But bottom line, like anyone's taking shots helmet to helmet, it's going to affect you at some point, whether now or down the road here. So I, I, I am concerned here with Cam because you'd like to hear him, I think, say Ron Rivera's right, Dave Gettleman was right. 
everyone's right. I need to stop putting myself out there. But his ego is going to get in the way because he still thinks I'm larger than life. I'm better. I'm stronger than everyone. I'm Superman. Well, guess what, buddy? You know what your kryptonite is? The same kryptonite as everybody else. You get hit really hard in the head after a play is over. You're going down, and you might not get back up. So that's that's why I think that, that the Panthers might be in a little trouble this year if Cam is not out there for 16 games because— I, I think they're the worst team with them. I think they're the worst team in the division. I'll really? I think, I think, yeah, I do. I think, I think it's Atlanta's division. I think it's Tampa 2. And I think New Orleans three, and then Carolina four. I, I like the Saints to win the division. And the, the Armstead injury definitely hurts that a bit, but I think I'm going to stick with my pick, Pete, of New Orleans. I'm going to be there next week, and, and or later in the – yeah, next week, actually. And I'm looking forward to seeing them and, and, and seeing if their defense – it's all about the defense. I mean, you know, Lattimore comes in and helps them. Sheldon Rankins has to play better. But you you look at that, that division. That division is tough. It is. Those are they're going to be wars every week of that division. And look at the quarterback play. I mean, you know, you want to talk about a division with quarterbacks: Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton. You're talking about a division where all four teams have a quality, quality NFL starting quarterback. That makes it a tough division. Quick aside here, because what you're saying is getting me so pumped up for this year. I think by by any metric, by any standard. The 2016 NFL season will not go down in the annals as one of the best seasons of all time, right? Like, the Super Bowl was great, and that's our lasting memory, Patriots, Falcons, but the season was mostly a dud in terms of the on-field performance. I think this is going to be a pretty good season, much better than last year. Like, I'm pretty excited for the on-field product. Except in the AFC, don't you only sit there and say, okay, well, everybody's playing the the Patriots are going to be the Super Bowl team, probably, right? I mean, in, in all probability. So it takes some of the excitement out of it. But I, I agree, like, in the divisions are going to be tough race. I mean, the AFC South is way open. I mean, the NFC South, way open. You the know, AFC the, West. The, East and the, with the, the NFC East is wide open. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be a terrific season, too. Last year was a dud, and the playoffs were terrible, right? right you know, every, every game was – uh, one-sided for the most part until you got to the, or pretty much until you got to the Super Bowl, which was a great Super Bowl. So let's hope that uh, it's a bounce back season. I agree with you, Nick. I, I can't wait to get it going because I think it's going to be a good season. And not only were the playoff games bad, but you and I were here in South Florida doing pre-post game shows, halftime shows for all these games, eating crappy South Florida pizza while we were watching the crappy NFL playoff games. At least you and I got got to hang out and laugh all day during those games. That 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 made it somewhat, somewhat tolerable. Fat, but the end, it was the end of fat ball season. No, and, like, and to everybody, to the listeners, fat ball season is what we call football season because we're working so much, and like we love it. It is not a complaint. Like We get paid to talk and cover the National Football League. It's awesome. But given how much you work during football season, it's really tough to work out as much and eat healthy, and that is why Pete Prisco coined the phrase fat ball season, which stuck. Uh, it is very, very hard to not put on some LBs, Pete, during, uh, from September to February. But you know what's funny, Nick, and, and I've, I've told you this, and I'll tell the listeners this. I've taken that, you know, not just the the writers and and and, brought, and all of us that work in the business, but the, the coaches and the players. You know, like I come to camp now, and everybody's it's, it's all fresh and they've been working out and everything. And I, and I actually had chats with players about it, and they'd laugh about it. They go, "You should see the food inside the coaches' meeting room when they're, you know, they have bowls of candy and everything else, and they can't get their hands on it because they get so stressed out." Everybody. It's fat ball season. The coaches gain weight, the players gain weight, the fans gain weight, and the media members gain weight. It's called fat ball season for a reason. And Pete, 
come January, I remember that I, I'm with a girl in my apartment, and she and and I wouldn't, I refuse to take my shirt off, and she's like, "Why won't you take your shirt off?" And I'm like, "I feel I'm disgusting. Like I was <laughs> disgusted with myself." And and you were you were killing me after the season for my lack of muscle definition and for all the weight that I had put on. I mean, I was a basket case for a solid two weeks here before I got myself back into solid shape. So I'm telling you right now, telling everybody, we cannot let what happened last year happen again this year in terms of the fat ball. It cannot happen again. Well, I'm now a member at Einstein Fitness, so I'm not allowing it to happen. I'm a workout warrior. Yeah, and I like that, and, and I like that I, you went to a place which is the same color eating, as your skin, and I orange. I don't eat pizza every damn weekend either. Yeah, so we'll have to figure out the food. Jimmy John's, here we come. Get ready for our service each and every Sunday. So while we're on the topic of the NFC South, our, our final bit of news here, John Gruden. Super Bowl winning coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's been out of the game for quite some time. And he told the website, our friends over at pewterreport.com, that he's met with several people about coaching again. And he won't deny it. Just about every year, I talk about coming back to coach. I'm not in here every day at 4.30 or 4 in the morning watching pinball, you know. I'm preparing myself to come back. I am. Every day, I'm preparing to come back. This, to me, is the strongest indicator, Pete, that we will see John Gruden back on an NFL sideline, possibly sooner rather than later. It sure sounds that way. And, and you know what? Look, those guys all have that competitive fire. And I've talked to a lot of coaches. That's like players, too, but I've talked to a lot of coaches about it. When you get away from it, something's missing. No matter what you're doing, something's missing. You can do TV, and he does a great, you know, he makes a big living doing TV. And, but you're missing the competitive fire and the competitive drive. You don't have anything to kind of keep you going from that standpoint. And they all say that that's the one thing you crave and want. You want to get it back. You go play golf and get competitive drive there, but you're not going to, it's not the same thing. So I do think he's going to come back. If I were him, I'd stay retired. But, but again, we're not him. We know, we know uh, what it looks like on the outside with, you know, making a nice living, going to a game every week. You, you talk about football, but then you get back to, What's what's he been what's he been built for? This is a guy who's been built for the competitive nature of the football of the NFL football game, and I think that's what he wants back. Don't you think that there's a reason why he doesn't criticize people on Monday nights? Don't you think? And, that and, 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 and to be fair, he's gotten better with that as time has gone on, but he's still like not out there open like like double barrel shotguns like, like emptying the clip criticizing people. You are right about that. He will. I'll tell you one thing about John Gruden. He will have a tough time adjusting to the new rules. Oh, and and I'll, and, and, that, and this that? and and Pete, I gotta. We he's going to get a job because there's going to be an owner that's going to want to make the splashy hire and is going to lavish John Gruden with cash. I don't know that I would hire John Gruden after all this time away from the game. I don't know that it's right or fair to expect him to step in and have it be like in the halcyon days of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where he's winning championships and going to the playoffs every year. It's a different NFL today than it was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, and not so much from a schematic standpoint because John Gruden's a smart offensive mind. He'll be fine. That, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about from the limitation standpoint. You know, back in the day, he used to beat the team to death. Pre-CBA, I mean, the last story, one. Yeah, there were stories about him pushing them and pushing them and, you know, hitting. And, and, and Now, you can't do that anymore. So I think that's going to be the biggest adjustment for John Gruden. Uh, not the scheme, not, not calling plays, because, yeah, the league has changed. There's a lot more coverages on defense than when he, he was there. Even like the Tampa 2 that they ran back in the day, they've kind of 
you know, people have figured that out some. It's kind of evolved. But I'm talking about, you know, not calling plays. I'm talking about how he handles practices and, and the day-to-day. And you can limit it on how much time you can spend there. That's going to be your biggest adjustment for John Gruden. Yeah, and, and we'll see what happens with Gruden in the ESPN booth Monday Night Football this year. But I think if you're a betting man, and I have been known to toss a couple shekels around here and there, you as well, Mr. Prisco, I think the smart money is on John Gruden being back on an NFL sideline for the 2018 season. Listen, buddy, try not to melt in the Arizona heat. Enjoy your time out there. We'll catch up with you Monday, Pick 6 Podcast. And enjoy Game of Thrones coming up on Sunday night as well. Okay, Lord Varys? Yeah, we, that thing needs to pick up a little bit. By the way, we need to pick up the pace on Game of Thrones. Are you going to be able to? Are you going to be able to watch it on the road? Like, is your hotel room going to have HBO? Like, I would have to call ahead to make sure that the hotel I was at would have HBO because you know if you miss it, it's getting spoiled on on social media. Yeah, it probably will. That's why I binge watched the whole you know first whatever seasons there were over the last five, four months before this year. So, no, I'll find out. I'm not going to miss it. I'll watch it on Sunday. All right, Petey. Enjoy the episode, and we'll talk to you Monday. You got it. Take care, Nick. That was our senior NFL writer, Pete Prisco, and our CBS NFL insider, Jason Lockhanfora. We touched base with him on Wednesday at Washington Redskins camp on his way there. Well, he's there right now, and he had a chance to sit down with Washington starting quarterback Kirk Cousins, and his first question was if Cousins was surprised how his contractual situation turned out. No, you know, we had a lot of time, too, between the end of the season and and, uh, July 17 to figure out what was the best option and what made the most sense. And um, I'm at peace, and um, I'm ready to go play football now. Was it even something where, as it's playing out, you're, you're, you're kind of sweating it? Are you calling Mike a lot? Or I got the sense that it was kind of like you were like, it's gonna, it's either going to happen or it's not. And, you know, I, I can't really influence the process. I, I've played. They, my numbers are my numbers. My film is my film. And it's either going to happen or it's not. Right. Yeah, I trusted Mike completely. That's why I hired him. Uh, if uh, I didn't trust him, then I shouldn't have him as my agent. So let him do his job. And, and uh, what's interesting with Mike is that through now coming up on six seasons, he's been right so many times through the process that he's just proven himself and proven his competency. And um, that gives me great comfort knowing our track record. And uh, I'm going to continue to trust him going forward. Do you feel a little more is on your, your shoulders now as you, you're, you and Jordan are kind of the – the old heads in this <laughs> offense now. You know, a lot of yeah. guys who've been around the league for a while, been particularly with you for a few years, are now gone and you're cultivating sort of another wave of young receivers. Sure. Yeah, with uh, any of the good teams you, you see, there tends to be some form of continuity and stability among veterans, and, and you tend to have good player leadership, and that's something we're trying to build here. And uh, Jordan Reed, Trent Williams, um, you know, there's a few guys who have been around. Josh Norman's done a great job on defense. Uh, D'Angelo Hall, I mean, I can go on and on. Will Compton's one of our best leaders. Uh, but other guys like Chris Thompson, uh, Terrell Pryor's really stepped up too. So um, we're trying to build that core group of veterans that can uh, lead this lead this team. And, and I think if you have that, it, it certainly helps. Training camp all kind of the same now, or is this one a little different because of some of these new components? Um, there's no doubt that we want to spend these six weeks before week one uh, fine-tuning so that anybody who's new in our offense or anybody who hasn't had a ton of reps can get those reps and so, so that on game day uh, there are no mistakes and they're playing at a high level and we're all on the same page. And that's what training camp's all about. So that'll be the focus. And um, you know, every day we'll try to just stack another day up on top of, of, of the other one. Did you do anything fun or different this this summer, this offseason? Did you same um, stick with the same routine? Or? Yeah, I, I'd say I stuck with the same routine. Just continue to 
try to learn from other guys in the league who have gone before me and are doing it really well. I think uh, when you look at Tom Brady and Drew Brees and um, you know Philip Rivers, uh, Eli Manning, these guys are getting into their late 30s and yet they're really not missing a beat. Um, you know, there's talk of eventually those guys are going to slow down, but I don't see it yet. And so I'm trying to watch from them and learn their example of how do they train and how do they eat and uh, what do they take seriously and what has made the difference for them in order to be able to uh, uh, last in this league and have continued success year in and year out. And that's what it's all about is, you know, you can have one good year, two good years, but can you do it as teammates come and go, as, as the organization changes, can you continue to have sustained success? And if you can do that, that's when you really have a great career. So that's my goal. And there's plenty of guys ahead of me who have displayed that for me, and I'm trying to learn from them. Did you talk to any of them or just uh, kind of research what they've done? Or did yeah. you text any of them or talk to any of them? Or? I think the Pro Bowl allows you to meet some guys and talk to them, guys who are doing it at a high level. Uh, and you get to spend a week with them, which was really valuable for me. And then um, you know, just reading articles like that you put out, people like yourself put out, where you can read behind the scenes of what guys are doing. I think all that helps. Thanks so much to Jason Lockenfora and Kirk Cousins. That does it for the Friday edition of the Pick 6 podcast. We will be back on Monday with you here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Do us a favor. If you like what you're listening to, tell somebody. Go to iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever the hell you find podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Leave a nice rating for us. It really does make a difference, and we really do appreciate it. For my guy, Pete Crystal, I am Nick Costos. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday right here on the Pick 6 Pod.